Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. This is the Miller Report with Suzanne Miller on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And now, here's Suzanne Miller. Welcome to the Miller Report. I'm Suzanne Miller. The Miller Report is a weekly podcast that talks to various business leaders about real estate because real estate is the blood of all cities, particularly New York. Together, we are building New York. On the Miller Report, we've had various people talk to us, commercial landlords, residential, management developers, restaurateurs. But today, we're speaking to a leader whose industry is fundamental to the pulse of our city. His family is near and dear to me. His father-in-law, Hank Sofer, was my mentor. Hank was the king of real estate, the god, literally. No developer would build a building without first consulting with Hank Sofer. Today with us, we have the king of the garages. His name is Rafael Lopez. Rafael Lopez currently owns city parking, and already there's 160 garages. Welcome, Rafael Lopez, to the Miller Report. And let's talk about some questions that I have regarding garages. Firstly, I know that you own Quick Park and Icon, and that was uh, sold, which was also the largest. And now you have city parking, which is growing like tremendously. Like you have, like how many garages do you have now? Well, yeah, uh, 100%. Well, thanks for having me, by the way. Um, As you know, we originally founded uh, Quick Park, who I inevitably bought Hank Sofer out in uh, 2005, actually. And in 2014, I purchased Icon. So had about 330 locations at the time and controlled about 35% of the market in New York. Uh, In 2017, I sold those two brands uh, to a a hedge fund uh, and it started and decided to, I couldn't stop doing it. So I decided to start a new brand called City Park, which today operates 160 locations in a very short period of time, and is the largest company in New York already, uh, privately and uh, in public. Uh, so we control about 50,000 parking spaces throughout New York City. Amazing. I have to tell all the developers that are listening to use City Park when they need a garage. Yes. And that's, I mean, they'll come to you anyway. But what I love mostly, what I've read, because I read a lot about this, I, I'm an expert, is that you're not you're really a, a New York brand, and you're not really looking to leave New York City, which is like music to my ears. Why are you not like rushing to Florida and everywhere else like everybody else is doing? You, you know, it's funny. I always based that decision on one thing only. And that was that I always wanted to go home and sleep with my wife and my dog. I did not want to be traveling uh, around the estates and sleeping in hotels. I never really wanted to go outside of that. I was very happy with what I was doing. And by the way, I had my hands full. I had, For example, you look at, which is actually Pretty interesting. If you look at the New York market, every time a national company tries to come in, meaning a non-city-based company, they've never succeeded, not one. Uh, Most of them have either come in and purchased other brands, but have uh, ultimately never been able to organically grow. And I've ultimately lost most of the garages that they uh, ended up purchasing. As you remember, Square Industries, uh, Kinney, if you think of all those names, which were purchased by national companies, have now become obsolete. Uh, so I found that 
I was not only did I not want to travel, but I was much more effective uh, staying focused on my area. So what you're really saying is that know your product and don't try and change for what you do well. And that's what yeah. you're doing. Yeah. And and look, ironically, um, happened to be, you know, a lot of people make the argument that you don't want all your eggs in one basket, uh, which I understand conceptually. But it turns out that it was a good thing for us because the uh, COVID uh, did a lot more damage to the parking industry outside of congested cities like New York, Chicago, uh, Boston, than it did uh, suburban areas like Miami, uh, California, because nobody was driving and still not everybody has been back to driving or going to the office every day, et cetera. Uh, unlike cities that are congested, you don't need to have 100% of the population driving in order for you to be a fully operational. So how did you do during the pandemic? Because people left and there were no garage. People didn't need it cars. Was, they- it was it was it was scary. Um, um, you know, March of nineteenth, as you know, was a shutdown, which ironically happens to be on my birthday. So that was sort of my gift. Uh, and uh, we went from um, uh, zero, basically zero transient activity, which represents fifty percent of the business, and also losing very rapidly within 30 to 45 days, losing 50% of our uh, monthly business where people just literally evacuated. So it was quite scary. Um, uh, we were fortunate enough to work with all the landlords and, and and work things out, which we did successfully, paid back every penny of rent that we were supposed to pay back. Uh, we got the firmans, as you know. Uh, but we were fortunate because by... Uh, June, July, people started trickling back into New York. So we saw an immediate spike uh, of transient revenue coming back in. The monthlies was still uh, um, uh, lagging. Uh, we did drop rates as much as 70% in some areas in order to try to beat, retain as many units as we could. Uh, so we fought the fight the best we could. And then by the end of the summer, we started to see monthlies coming back. People actually purchasing cars, which was a rare uh, event in New York, as you know, that would actually be in reverse. But people actually went and bought cars. Uh, so it made up a little bit of the monthlies. And today uh, we're fully operational pre-COVID numbers, but we have seen a stabilization of the industry. For example, now on a year-over-year basis, we're to somewhere between 2 to 3% down a year-over-year on a transient basis. Pretty uh, uh stabilized as far as uh, monthlies are concerned. Um, so we're, you know, fully operational again. That's fantastic. Well, you're a good operator. You really are. Did you have to lay a lot of people off? No, uh, I did not. We were considered uh, we were considered essential business. So we I did remain open, which we wow. did. Uh, I did not want to lay people off. I, I uh, These people worked for me for, you know, uh, 20, 30 years. Um, and I, I had a very difficult time doing that. Uh, we did get help from landlords. We got help from the government and we fought the fight uh, as best as we could. And we were very fortunate that we did not have to lay anybody. That's fantastic. So let's talk, Raphael, about the incidents last week where the downtown garage collapsed and one person was killed and they, were, they injured others. Like, do you know what the cause of the, that collapse was? Yeah, I, I don't have all the specifics, but I can ten- tell you in general what happens is that a lot of these freestanding garages are genera- generationally owned. So what happens is uh, they were bought in the 40s and 50s, in some cases even sooner. And by the time uh, uh, the ownership structure is today, there's so many siblings and so many cousins that own them that a lot of them and unfortunately don't tend to put 
uh, money back into these garages the way they should be. And don't forget they're old. These garages in some cases were horse stables originally uh, and money does need to be put back in. But when a lot of family members rely on those rent checks that are coming in, they tend to defer maintenance. Uh, and deferring maintenance ultimately could be, as you can see here, uh, in a very unfortunate situation. But it's not a big, big problem in the city. As you know, they've been out. They've been inspecting. Uh, the city has been doing a wonderful job uh, trying to catch up. It's not an easy thing to do. And as you can see, that there's been a few shutdowns, but it hasn't been a widespread uh, industry issue. Most people do spend the money and keep their garages and, and, and work in order. And this particular example, unfortunately, was, was not the case. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. But do you see more regulations where they're going to check the structural integrity of these garages now? Well, ironically, uh, there has been uh, some new regulations. As you know, they came out with Local Law 126, which requires parking garages. It's known differently. I can send you the link to give you a much better background on it. But it does uh, uh, require uh, parking structures to have uh, uh, structural um, reports submitted to the city uh, once every six years. Uh, many of the city, this particular garage would have fallen under that category, actually, by the end of this year, by the end of this year, uh, which was just put into place a few years ago, two years ago. Really, this year was the deadline that these reports have to be uh, coming in uh, uh, on this particular zone, which is really all of Manhattan. Uh, some outer boroughs will get uh, to the year of 24 or 25. But these will be reports that have to be submitted every five or six years. And I think we'll go ahead and, and fix a lot of this uh, problem. But but ironically, it was put in place prior to the collapse. So it wasn't, it wasn't created is, because of Is it the same governing agency that looks at the bridges and the structural integrity of all that, or is it separate? It's the Department of Buildings. So I'm right. not okay. sure. I don't know about the bridges who governs that, but for us, it's the Department of Buildings. Because I'm always interested in this, these electric cars, the batteries weigh more, and the Hummers and these big cars. Like, how do you deal with that? Well, that is true. That is true that that um, that electric vehicles weigh as much as 30 to 35 percent more than regular vehicles. But I think it's important to note that it's not really an issue yet, uh, uh, because still the electric vehicle uh, industry is a very small percentage. Uh, like in our car, in our business, if it's two to three percent, five, maybe in a few cases uh, would be a lot. Uh, in fact, we're kind of thankful that that's the case because we know, we, as you know, everybody keeps pushing in electric vehicles. But the reality of it is that the city does not have the capability. If if we went to 20 percent tomorrow, 
for electric vehicles. You know, we would have no way to uh, charge these vehicles because the infrastructure couldn't handle it. Con Edison doesn't even bring in enough power to many of these buildings to be able to charge that many vehicles. So uh, we're sort of putting one uh, the, the, the cart before the horse, if you know what I mean. Well, you're not going to stop people from buying it. So are you buying them? So are you retrofitting your garages to to handle well, it? No, no, we're not really retrofitting yet because the reality of it is not us that has to retrofit. It's ultimately Con Edison that's going to have to figure out a way to bring in more power to these buildings and, and inevitably when that demand does reach. So you just say no. Well, no. So far, so far, we've been able to keep up with demand, and we've been installing an as-needed basis. And again, it's been a very small percentage. I mean, right now, our garages—if you have anywhere up to, let's say, maximum of ten chargers—you more than adequately can supply uh, charging stations because that's the only thing you require. That's it. That's that's good to know. So let's switch back to real estate. So with all the shortage of real estate, and there's just so much. Talk about affordable housing, not enough room. People, the rents are so high. Are you looking at condoing any of your garages or taking down the garage and turning it into real estate? What's going on in the real estate end? Well, as far as as far as the freestanding garage development sites, they're practically pretty much gone. As you know, many of those were built actually through the two thousand, even pre two thousand eight crash. Uh, most of them were being converted. To smaller hotels uh, and, and 80% of them were taken down. The, the, the ones that are actually left, uh, most of them are already being used at its highest usage. In other words, they have no additional air rights. So even building something on them doesn't even make sense anymore. Uh, the, what mo- makes the most sense is parking. Uh, so there isn't many left. There is still a, obviously a few sites. Uh, uh, some of them, the basis is so low that people continue to keep them as garages. They're not developers. They're not ready to sell them to developers because it's really more of a tax event than anything else. Uh, so they, they want to keep the cash flow coming in. And again, the basis are so low. So there's not many left. Most of them have been developed. So if I live in one of these beautiful lofts or some, you know, a fantastic apartment, I don't want to deal with parking. So I've read somewhere that some of these garages are now selling parking spots itself. You have storage with it. You could own your own. You could get a deed. Uh, what do you know about that? Yeah, and some some people have tried to model unsuccessfully. Uh, uh, somebody tried it on 66th Street. There's a couple of smaller buildings downtown in Tribeca that did it. But, uh, for example, even 56 Leonard, which I own, did that model. And they sold garages. But, again, fifty. it was only 40-something cars. Uh, available for a very high, uh, uh, a pretty large tower, as you know, 56 Leonard. Um, so people bought them more of to secure themselves a spot, not because uh, they think they could find one in the area. So it's all going to be dependent on how much demand on the box on top will have on the garage itself. Because if you have a very large garage relative to the tower on top, a lot of people don't buy these spaces because you're always going to have a parking spot at market downstairs on a rental basis. So we we haven't really pushed. We own I have been owned quite a few condos, and I still don't see selling the spots as more lucrative than continuing to just lease out the spots. Because don't forget, when you do what you're describing about uh, they get their own spot and storage, you're decreasing the capacity of the garage tremendously because the person has to be able to drive and self park. Yeah, but do the math because what I saw was like one hundred fifty thousand for a, a tiny spot that's astronomical per foot, and by the time you get your monthlies, it'll take a long time to. Why not just sell it? 
No, because that spot, don't forget, it's a one-time, you get that money. When I could get seven, 700, <laughs> probably that one spot, uh, by the way, that one spot probably takes up more like eight spots, right? Because you have to have a driveway, you have to be able to go to that spot. Uh, so it's not like a single spot. It actually consumes a lot more than one spot to be able to self-park in a in a valet garage. You, you follow That's what I'm saying? You'll keep being a landlord. <laughs> I'll keep being a landlord. I, I like my math. <laughs> I like your math. So let's switch over to street parking and all these driveless vehicles. I'm like noticing these like Uber, Lyft, they're now offering taxis that are driveless and the prices are coming down. Have you looked at this and how do you think that's going to affect the their parking well, garage? I haven't seen, I haven't seen, and I probably, and, and in my opinion, we won't be seeing that anytime soon. Uh, driverless cars, sort of a myth at this point, particularly in a sort of structure. And I'll tell you why. You, know, you ever notice in the city, the light turns green and nobody stops walking until you edge your car up. So imagine, imagine you have a driverless car, right? There was nobody up there, nobody driving, nobody behind the wheel. That car will stay there all day. It won't move because there are people that are just going to continue walking across the front of it. Driverless cars, are, in my opinion, in the city are not going to work until you have more of a grid situation for example, when you drive up and down the avenues, you, if you notice in the city, there is no lanes. There's no painted lanes. People are just crisscrossing all over. So a car will never be able to uh, manage. The technology is not good enough uh, to manage currently uh, uh, under our particular structure. Look, as there's some driverless trucks out there that are on grids and they can do it, they are. Uh, but there's nobody in the city that is, you never, you, I haven't seen one, one car in the city driving around without somebody behind the wheel. It just doesn't exist. In San Francisco, they're starting. But I'm also starting not- to, on some gridded streets, right? Very carefully, very controlled yeah. environment. You're right. Yeah. And, it, and it could work that way. But in our particular environment, it'll, it just won't work. Because we're New Yorkers. But right. I've, also, I've also noticed that some street parking are being replaced by bike lanes. Like, how's that affecting you? Well, that, that for sure. Uh, uh, look. You know, they talk about congestion pricing, as you know, which is something that has been approved and they're bringing it, even though I don't fully understand it, because here we are uh, struggling to fill up office buildings. As you know, they're all below 70 percent occupancy. We can't get people back to their offices. Yet uh, the the state comes up with an idea of taxing people to come to work. Now, <laughs> we can't get them to come back to work, but let's tax them to come to work. So uh, sort of, it's sort of working backwards. And they keep trying to tax the passenger vehicle, uh, which, again, is not the corporate behind the uh, corporate, I should say, behind congestion. In fact, if you look at the data over the last 10, 15 years, passenger vehicles coming into the CBD area has actually reduced. What has happened uh, and what has created congestion is the phenomenon of ordering online. For example, everybody is green. They don't want traffic, but they're all on Amazon ordering. Now, how do you think that gets to your apartment? By truck. The truck has to come into the city, has to park, has to deliver, and everybody's ordered from Amazon. And so that's one of the particular uh, issues that's creating congestion. As you can see, they're all double parked, uh, uh, and they create the congestion. Then we go ahead and take an artery and take and create a bicycle lane, which, as you can tell, is completely underutilized, these bicycle lanes. But yet you took a full lane up, so you take a full lane of the street, you have ordering online, which, as you know, is probably 2,000% higher than 10 years ago or more because uh, Amazon didn't exist. 
Um, um, and then you go, by the way, then you have electric bikes that take up more parking spots. Um, and you're, so you're creating the congestion, essentially. Uh, uh, and I think that that's definitely a big tribute to it. And now they're saying we need congestion pricing. But we created the congestion. I think you're absolutely right. And they tried it in London and it failed. And it's going to kill Broadway and it's going to kill New York. It'll be good for you. Because you can get more garages, what, before 60th Street? I think that's where they're talking, between 60th and and Midtown. It's, south. it's, it's 60th and all the way, no, 60th all the way downtown. So it could have, look, if their, their goals are allegedly to reduce 20% of all transit traffic, in my opinion, their goal is really just to grab money uh, um, uh, and create a tax. It's really a tax, which, by the way, it's, it's terrible tax because it hits mostly the low-income people. Uh, 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 it's the people that are trying to go to work. It's the people that go to restaurants to work. It's those are the people that they're really taxing that really can't afford this. And like I said, we're struggling to get people back into the city, as you know, and you can look up the data. Office buildings are still uh, uh, lucky to reach 70% occupancy, which is having a tremendous impact on all the other amenities in the city. For example, the deli down the street, the coffee shop, the restaurant. You know, when you have 30% population coming in, it has. Uh, a trickle down uh, effect, which is uh, hemorrhaging, creating hemorrhaging on commercial towers, on on on, on retail, as you know. Um, so we got to focus. I think the city needs to focus on getting people back into the city rather than continuing to tax people. Well, I feel that's one of the, my purpose really of doing this is because people like you that really care about New York need to speak out. And we have to try and stop some of this so that we can really rebuild New York because we have not come back. And people are not back oh. to work. We want to. We don't want everybody leaving to Florida and and not going to Broadway and not going to out to the coffee shops to keep the city booming. Look, it's, like I tell, look, I love New York. New York City has been very good to me, and I love New York City. But it's simple math. When you continue to tax people more, and the services go down, like crime, right. dirt, you know that that people will eventually break and leave. Like for example, if you're taxing somebody over average, but everything works perfect. The streets are clean. You feel safe. Uh, uh, the subways work beautifully. Then you say to yourself, it's worth every penny. But when you keep getting taxed and services go down and you get compressed, what do you do? You leave. If you have yep. the chance, you leave. And that's something that for some reason our politicians can't get. They're filling up our hotels with migrants so the tourists can't even come here. Are you watching this? This is yeah, it's, 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 it's insane. It's, 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 it's insane. It's, it's insane. We're, we're running this business into the ground, and the city is a business. Absolutely. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So let's just, I'm going to ask you um, the last thing because everybody seems to be talking about technology, technology. 
So what do you do? Because I used to go on Spot Hero. I needed a spot. Now they have their own technology. When I go, I used to call my garage. I have to let it ring a hundred times to get anybody to take my car out. Now I notice it's just becoming much more self-working and it seems to be much easier. So are you embracing technology in on your garage? Oh, yeah. yeah, there's no question about it. In fact, we're one of the leaders on that. And most of the technology in today's, uh, when I say today, I mean in New York City, valet parking. There's, there's a big difference and a big misconception between valet parking in New York City and self-parking on the more sub- Right, where technology is a little different because you pull up, it reads your plate, opens a gate, you park your own car, you leave. It's completely different. Our 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 industry, meaning the valet New York City industry, will always require parking attendants. Will always require uh, us uh, parking the cars. It's never going to park themselves. So that technology isn't there. But what we have improved on uh, dramatically is what we refer to essentially as our POS system, how it communicates with our back office, how the, all that data is transferred, how we create dashboards and study more data, how we uh, uh, digitally communicate with our consumers for either through platforms that you're describing, uh, uh, which we refer to as aggregators, or how does the consumer uh, communicate with the garage on retrieving their vehicle. That's all being uh, much more digital now, uh, and it's not as mechanical as you described, which it was the old school where you call the phone would ring and ring and ring because the attendant is in the basement. And you got a ticket. Now right. you get tickets. Now I get it on my phone. You parked. Right. You- Correct. You can get it on your phone. You can get it on your phone now. The attendants can issue it. Some in some cases, it recognizes your license plate, so it automatically issues the ticket. So, so in the transactional end of the industry has improved uh, dramatically. If you remember back in the old days, it was a paper ticket. Half the times you lost it. Uh, nobody took credit cards. I mean, I can go on all day. Uh, all that uh, is, is long gone, and it's all much more digital today. Much more controlled. Uh, uh, which we obviously prefer. It makes our life a lot easier. So I, this has been excellent, Raphael. I really, you're very knowledgeable. And anybody who's listening, you need to go park at City Parking. This is Raphael Lopez. He is the king of parking in New York. You truly are. I don't think there's anybody more knowledgeable than you in this business. And we have to all stay focused and figure out ways to talk to our government officials about stopping pricing congestion, the fees on that, and to try and get people back to work and keep the city running again. And anything that I could do, I'm here to help. Agreed. Please download and subscribe to The Miller Report. Thank you, Raphael. Dear listeners, thank you for coming on my podcast. If you like what you're listening to, please download, subscribe, and share. Thank you so much. Bye.